Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Jensen. Enjoy. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, um, let me uh, let me just say, I have been doing this for quite a while, and I'll kind of explain it, but I do really quickly want to apologize, because Brent, as you could tell, had a cold. If you could hear Jesse speaking as well, he's got a bit of a cold, and I genuinely felt like it started with me. Um, I started uh, probably on Tuesday, my voice is a little bit better than uh, theirs at this point because they got theirs later. But if the entire staff gets a cold or anyone who came to Cornhole on Friday gets a cold, they will know why. It probably all started for me. I'm ground zero. So as you can tell, my voice is still a little bit shaky. Um, I am fighting through it. But of course, you guys know this, that if you fight through a cold, especially if you're preaching, you just take what you get and you go with it from there. So I'm excited. You guys, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, But I'm gonna dive into this. I'm pretty excited about what God's doing. Um, Some of you guys may know me only because I've been doing the youth within this ministry for the last year. Um, I was a youth pastor for 12 years before that, before we moved to the vineyard. And I'll give you a little bit about background. Um, But this last year, I've been doing the youth and I've been heading it up. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think in a million years that I would potentially be going back to youth ministry again. Uh, But here I am stepping in for a second time around. And the second time from what I hear is always even better than the first time. And the first time was fun for me, but the second time I really believe is gonna be even better. So um, let me me just give a shout out to, to any of the young people, any of the young people, any of my teenagers, are you guys in here right now? Okay, I figured a lot of them would bail because they're like, they hear me every single week. They're like, dude, I'm just gonna stay in the foyer and just hang out. But thanks a couple of you for staying in here. Um, In terms of the youth that you guys have, I don't really like to say this out loud, but I know no one from my former church is here. So I'm just gonna share this with you. Um, The youth in this youth ministry, you guys are a lot smarter. You guys are a lot more clever And of course, unfortunately, you guys are also a little more tricky than the kids that I had back in the day. The kids that I had back in the day, I felt like I could say anything. They would just kind of nod their heads and they'd go along with it. But when I give a message to the young people in this place, multiple times I've had people raise their hands. They'll ask me questions and they'll say something like, are you sure that's biblical? Because honestly, Josh, somewhere else I read something different. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that's probably the truth. So I have to work on that. You guys make me actually have to prepare for the sermon a little bit more. So thank you, teenagers. You're gonna make me a better youth pastor this time around. It's gonna be fantastic. Um, So there we go. I'm gonna share a couple of things with you guys, and then I'm gonna dive straight into the word. And of course, hopefully by then, my voice will actually not be out. But of course, if it is out, I'm just gonna start whispering to you. And eventually I will end the sermon mercifully on my voice, take a big fat nap, and hopefully even be better tomorrow. It'll be good. So um, my background, just so you guys know, I came from the Boise area. I consider myself to be a Boise native. 
I technically was not uh, born in Boise. I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I don't claim Tulsa. In fact, I have to go back to Tulsa every single year to visit my family. And every time I visit Tulsa, I'm thankful that we don't have tornadoes and hail and humidity and all the terrible things associated with that God awful place. So thank you, Jesus. I live in Boise and I claim Boise. Um, I actually moved here when I was about seven years old. And I of course graduated from the greatest high school known to mankind in the Treasure Valley, Timberline High School. Timberline High School, there it is. I love it. Do I have any Timberline people in here at all? There it is, Leo. There it is. Who else? Wait, I see one other hand. Hey, I love it. See, I, I saw the way you guys clapping back there. That's fantastic. Our claim to fame, no one cares. And in fact, none of you were gonna care. Um, but our claim to fame was that we were the class that was at Lebois Junior High, which was that building from seventh to ninth grade. And then it turned into a high school when we became 10th graders. So we were in that building for six years. And of course, all of you look at me like, who cares, Josh? But I'm sharing it with you anyways. And so we have a special bond with that place. But of course, anyone who else graduated from any other high school in the Treasure Valley, we love you. We think you're great. Unless you graduated from Boise High, then you are dead to us. And you are not allowed to talk to us. It's almost like being a Chiefs fan. We can't do it. Exactly. So there you go. I love it. Um, of course, after I graduated Boise High School, I ended up going to Oral Roberts University. Pastor Trevor just mentioned that. Uh, I stayed there for four years. So yes, I did go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I don't know why, but I did. So born in Tulsa, went back to Tulsa. After my four years in college, I got a phone call. I got a phone call from a pastor in Twin Falls, Idaho. Um, and that pastor, I had met a couple of times. I didn't know him super well, but he literally called me on the phone and he said, hey, Josh, I know you're about to graduate. Our youth pastor has just transitioned and we would like for you to take the reins and we'd like for you to step in uh, to be the youth pastor, which, which was surprising to me because I didn't know him super well. And of course, I ended up responding, you know, spur of the moment because I thought maybe I was supposed to stay in Tulsa. Thank you, Jesus, you had other plans for me. Um, I ended up responding back and I ended up saying, you know, I don't know if this is it for me. And I told him no. Six weeks later, I called him back because it got stirred up in my heart so much. I didn't necessarily think youth ministry was something that I was gonna do. Six weeks later, I ended up calling him back though. And I ended up saying, man, this is on my heart. This may be something that I have to do. And he said, you know what? Fantastic. I have not been able to find anybody at this point. And genuinely, it feels like every door closes. Every time I try to talk to anybody, I'm so glad you called me. So I ended up flying out there. Long story short, I became the youth pastor in Twin Falls. Um, and man, did we have some fun times. And I'll be honest, the first five years, they weren't just fun times, they were chaotic times. They were crazy times. In fact, without the grace of God, I'm pretty sure I would be dead or one of the kids would have been dead those first five years. Um, you can imagine as a 22-year-old kid coming in, especially with kids that are 18 years old, I had bleached blonde hair, um, didn't really know what I was doing, and those kids were almost as old as me. It's not like I was their leader. We were all buddies together trying to do youth ministry together. But somehow in the middle of it, God ended up moving powerfully. And I felt like the grace of God was there. I began to see God work in powerful ways. And those were some of the best years of my entire life. 
And then of course, in 2018, Jackie and I, we decided to transition. Um, we decided to move back to Boise. And so funny story, moving back to Boise, we actually have quite a few connections in this area, um, especially when it comes to local churches around here. There were a couple of churches in this area specifically that joined with us in camps. We knew the staff members of a lot of different churches in this area. And so we just thought it'd be a pretty easy fit if we decided to go to Boise, that we would just connect with a couple of these churches that we already knew, right? And so during the summer of 2018, we knew we were moving in September of 2018 to Boise, um, but we hadn't moved yet. So every single week from Twin Falls to Boise, we decided to visit another church in this entire valley. And we did it every single week. We feel like we know all of the churches in this area because of that. It's called church shopping, you guys. It was fantastic because we'd never done that before. But we ended up wanting to just see what fit us. And every church we visited, no matter where we went, no matter what we did, it didn't feel like it was right. The places that we ended up thinking that we were gonna be a part of, especially because we knew the staff members, we'd show up and it just felt like a closed door. And then there were times I'd show up to a service and I'd say, babe, this is it. I love this place. And Jackie would look at me like, we are never going back to this place again. <laughs> and then of course, you know, Jackie would say, hey, you know, I'm open to this place. This sounds great. And I would look at her and say, we are never going back to this place again. <laughs> never on the same page. And I remember it was getting crunch time where we were about to move and we really believe we need to be connected to the right church. And we just didn't know what that would look like. And we still didn't know the church we were gonna be a part of. And so someone ended up just randomly saying, have you tried out the vineyard? And we of course said no. Um, we had known about the vineyard. We knew about the movement a little bit. We also know, we knew they were known for their worship, but I'd never been to a vineyard church. Jackie had never been to a vineyard church. We never been to a service. We of course didn't know about John Wimber or any of these things in terms of the history of it. But we said, okay, great. Labor Day weekend, literally the weekend before we moved, we visited the vineyard and we showed up and we sat in the very back because of course we had one little one that was like six months old. And if you've met my daughter, she's not as crazy now, but when she was young, she was pretty crazy. We sat in the very back and literally a nice elderly lady sat right next to us. She offered to watch our child for us and she ended up playing with her while Jackie and I could worship Jesus. So that was a great check mark, number one, for a great church. We love, yeah, there it is. We love the worship. Um, we love the message. And of course, that lady ended up engaging us in a way that we felt so comfortable. And we looked at each other at the end of service and we said, we think this is the church. We know nobody in this place. We don't know any staff members. We don't feel like we know anything about the history of this church, but this feels right. And so we just made the decision that day to end up going to the vineyard and we've been doing it ever since, since 2018, you guys, which is fantastic. We loved it. Um, and I will say this, that of course that lady sitting in the back with us, I never saw her again after that. And so I ended up telling Jackie like, babe, I'm pretty sure that lady was an angel. Like I'm pretty sure the spiritual significance of it, I wanted it to be really, really powerful. So I'm like, babe, I'm pretty sure that lady sitting next to us was an angel. Um, and that was just God's confirmation. You know, God wanted us to be here. And then of course, you know, when I, when I said that to her, um, I mentioned that two years later, right? I just kept that inside because I wanted it to feel like it was an angel. And then once I expressed it to Jackie, Jackie responded back and like, she's like, oh no, that's so-and-so. I see her all the time and we hang out together. 
and it's super great. And I'm like, oh, great. I probably should have kept that to myself because that would have been a little more fun to uh, assume that an angel showed up to watch my children, you know? So, uh, but let me just say, Jackie and I are very excited. Um, I've gotten to know Sharon and Greg over the last year or so. Um, literally the first time we sat down together, we talked youth ministry for what, like four hours, Sharon. And by the time I looked at my watch, I just said, holy cow. I mean, we could have gone for another eight hours because of how passionate we are about young people. And let me just say this to the young people. Um, you can't ever take this for granted. I've met a lot of people in youth ministry. I've met a lot of leaders in youth ministry. And I'll tell you this right now, I can't count on one hand um, the amount of people that I've met that are like Sharon that have given their entire lives to young people in a way that genuinely the passion and the desire is there and you can see it in the fruit of these kids. So can we give a hand one more time to Sharon and Greg? It's fantastic. Um, and I will say this as well. You guys have done phenomenal. I mean, Sharon like, has helped me so much just in the small things, the day-to-day -day operations, being able to hand the baton off in a way that I genuinely feel like I'm gonna be able to just to start running and be able to just to start going immediately because of the foundation that she has laid. My first time stepping in as a youth pastor, the guy was gone before I even showed up and there was no notes anywhere. I didn't have any files anywhere. And I literally felt like I was starting from ground zero. Um, but it's just an testament to you guys, the fact that Sharon has been such a solid foundation of this thing and she's handed it off. And I love the fact that I'm gonna end up speaking on a scripture that is talking about one generation handing off to the baton to the next generation to go in and to take a land. And I genuinely feel like it's appropriate for what's happening in this youth ministry where one person carried the mantle, they brought it to a specific place, passed it on to the next group to be able to take it to another specific place in a God-ordained way. So I will say this, I, I'm just thrilled. I know Jackie's thrilled. Never in a million years did we think we'd be leading the zero to the 18-year-olds of an entire church. But by the grace of God, we will be able to do this, you guys. And of course, if we need your help, we will let you know. So you'll be good to go. I love it. So here we go. What I'm going to do, um, I've got a few minutes here. I'm going to dive into what I consider my anchor passage. I know that this entire um, summer, everyone's been giving their anchor passages. They've been talking about the kind of message that really, really reverberates with them. And in fact, an anchor passage, when I think about it, it's the type of, it's the type of passage that you have used in some of the darkest, most despairing times of your life. And it's where God has been able to speak to you. It's when he's been able to absolutely um, engage you that allows you to move forward. And the moment Trevor asked me what my anchor passage was, I just, I knew it immediately. Because literally this passage of scripture, I probably meditate on every single day. Um, all the way from when I was 13 years old, and I'll share the story of when I first got this anchor passage, all the way from 13 years old till now, I literally go back to this passage more than any other. And it's gonna make me sound really narcissistic because my name is Josh, but it is from the book of Joshua that we're going to dive into. And here's my thing. I really believe this, that there are specific portions of scripture for each one of us that when you get a hold of, especially if it comes from God, and especially if it's God ordained, you never ever get away from 
because it's a lifelong message that God wants to continue to speak into you. And probably for me, I've gone through this a thousand times over again, and still every time I go through it, I get a fresh revelation. And honestly, even what I'm gonna speak on today, I genuinely feel like a God gave a word in due season, not just for me, but for this specific group of people, and I believe for the body of Christ, through this specific passage. So I feel like I'm always gonna be learning something new as I dive into it and as we go through it. So if you guys could with me really quick, turn to Joshua chapter one, verse one. And we're gonna read through verse nine. Now I am gonna be honest with you as you guys look this up. Um, there was a thought in my mind of trying to sound super spiritual and try to pretend like an anchor passage that I had was from somewhere else where I said, hey, let's turn to the book of uh, Zephaniah or Haggai, and we're gonna end up reading through it. And then you guys are like, wow, dude, he really dives deep into the Bible, and that's fantastic. But I remember thinking I'd be lying to you if I didn't say it was in Joshua chapter one, verse one through nine. And I realized a lot of us know this specific chapter, and a lot of us know this specific verse, but if it's your anchor verse, you gotta do it. So here we go. Um, I'm gonna read through it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll just tell stories and we'll do fun things and hopefully learn something as we go through. Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise you and all this people into the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from this wilderness in the Lebanon, towards the great river, the river Euphrates, towards the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be strong and courageous, for you will divide as an inheritance the land which I have sworn to their forefathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to obey every part of the law which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, so that you may be careful to obey everything that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that as we, as we dive into your word, as we talk about the principles of this specific passage, I just believe, God, that our ears are open to hear it. I believe that we're, we're speaking it into good soil, and God, we believe that your word never returns void. And as we dive into this, I just believe every person in this place is gonna be able to latch on to something and be able to apply it in their lives. God, I thank you for what you're doing, not just in this church, not just with the ministries within this church. I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in this valley. I thank you for what you're doing in this country. I thank you for what you're doing globally in the body of Christ. So we just thank you, we praise you, and I thank you, God, that we're gonna have fun while we do it. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. 
So I really quick, I'm going to tell you guys a quick story about how this ended up actually becoming the anchor verse of my life. And it was when I was 13 years old. Um, my dad actually started a church in Boise, Idaho when I was about eight years old, which means that I was a PK. How many PKs do I have in here? PKs, I love it. PKs, you're fantastic. You love Jesus. You also can be very privileged and you can be very spoiled. I'm just kidding. I was definitely that kid though. And what's crazy growing up in the church, my brother and I were the ones who probably terrorized the stage more than any other. Um, yes, amen, that's exactly right in a way that honestly, probably the instruments had to get rotated once every like three months because we would bash on the drums and we'd break something, that type of a deal. But we did grow up loving the church. And my dad, of course, ended up starting that church and we had a blast doing it. Um, but when I was 13 years old, I'll never forget the day, it was January 1st of 1997, I ended up going to sleep my brother and I had bunk beds. I was on the top, he was on the bottom. It's almost like it was yesterday, how vivid this is in my mind. But we went to bed on New Year's night. We were supposed to wake up and go to school the next day, which I don't know if school ever starts on January 2nd anymore, but it did back in the day. So we went to sleep and then I woke up. I remember looking at my alarm clock and it said 9.07 a.m. And my mom was right in front of me um, when I woke up. And we were supposed to start school at 7.50. And so obviously something had happened. Like the alarm clock had been turned off. I didn't know what was going on. My mom is staring at me and she's got tears in her eyes. And immediately I wake up to something like, okay, I know something's wrong here. My brother was in the bottom bunk. And so my mom said, hey, you know what? We're not going to school today, Josh. I want you to sit down next to your brother. I've got something to share with you. And then she ended up saying to me and my brother, as we're sitting at the bottom bunk, Last night, your dad died in his sleep at 37 years old, which was stunning. 37 years old. We didn't even see it coming. There wasn't any clue whatsoever that he was even in bad health. He wasn't necessarily a super healthy person, um, but 37 years old, the pastor of a church, and he just died in his sleep. So January 2nd, I woke up to not having a father at 13 years old. And that void, of course, as you guys know, especially in those formative years of your teenage years, um, it's to be lacking. But for me, another big thing, and this is just a part of my background that maybe you guys, I'm gonna share with you for a minute. Part of the background for me is that I grew up in the ultra, ultra faith, like word of faith movement. And I don't know, some of you guys may not be aware of what that is, I'll explain it really quick. But I grew up in a culture where both of my parents were very, very strong on their word of faith, like theology and doctrine. So one of the big things, just as an example, my dad would always get up behind the pulpit and he would preach specifically that he knew he was going to live at least till he was 82 years old because it was a promise from God in the Bible. And because he was latching his faith onto it, he believed 100% that there was no way he wasn't gonna live till 82. He actually would preach that from the pulpit probably once a month. So everybody knew that, including us as kids, when we heard him speak that. And of course, if, if you've never maybe grown up in that kind of environment, my theology, of course, has shifted since then. But in that environment, that's the kind of environment where if you walk up to somebody as like a five-year-old and you say, hey, I'm uh, not feeling very well. My, uh, my throat's sore or I'm sick or I'm coughing. Someone will look at you and be like, bro, 
The reason why you're sick is because you're confessing it with your mouth. Start saying better things and you won't get sick anymore. And even as a kid, I remember thinking like, it's a little extreme. It feels a little, a little weird that like we're going to this length to fight that. But of course, with my dad dying when I was 13, it didn't just affect me emotionally, spiritually, everything else. It wrecked my theology because it made me start thinking to myself, wait a minute, my dad was in a place that he 100% trusted and believed in God, that he was gonna live a long life. He believed that he was gonna be able to like use his faith to just conquer the world, right? I mean, cause that's the kind of like background that we ended up coming from. And then he ends up just dying. And so I ended up having this fear that I was going to die in my sleep as a 13 year old kid because it happened to my dad and he was so sure of what he believed. But then of course also, I had this rock theology of, is anything God says real? Or even more importantly, is God real? All of these questions started to like surface in my life and I didn't really know how to combat them. And for about six months, I was struggling every single day. I wasn't eating well. I felt like I was waking up with cold sweats at night. I felt like sometimes I had to actually go and sleep in a different bed because I was afraid this bed, maybe I was gonna wake up and I wasn't gonna wake up in the morning. Um, and I remember literally around six months later, I was just, just sitting down and I, I gently felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. It was one of the first times I ever felt it where I gently felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit and him speaking to me, telling me, I want you to open up the book of Joshua. I want you to read through the book of Joshua. And what I felt like I was being led to do was read through the entire book. Chapter one, all the way through chapter 28. Um, I should know how many chapters are in Joshua. I said 28, don't quote me on that. But here's the beauty. I ended up going and I started reading chapter one and I read verse one and I could not get past verse two before God absolutely just hit me right between the eyes with his word. And then I ended up going through verse nine and I stopped. But verses one through one and one through two, I genuinely felt like God just said it straight to me. And in verse one, if you read it again, it says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, now therefore arise. And honestly, in that moment, you could have taken my dad's name and put it in there. And you could have said, after the death of Brent Jensen, God spoke to Josh Jensen and he said, now therefore arise. And what I got out of that specifically was God saying, you may not have all the answers. You may not necessarily understand exactly what took place there. But here's what I'm telling you, Joshua. There is a future for you. There's a hope for you. I am protecting you. I'm leading you and I'm guiding you. And because of that, you can move forward and you can be able to push towards the destiny that I have called you to. And I'll never forget it. It wasn't just the revelation that God was saying that to me. There was a freedom that came with that, where suddenly whatever was on my life, that fear and that, that, that frustration and that worry or whatever else I was feeling, it got broken the moment I read those first two verses. And then after that, I ended up reading through the rest of it, talking about, you know, the land that he was supposed to take and what he was supposed to do. I feel like I've gone through that over and over again, but it was in that moment, and I don't realize it till later, that became my anchor passage. And genuinely for me, no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on in my life, this is the set of scriptures that I always come back to. Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine. 
So what I'm gonna do with you guys really quick is I'm gonna share a couple of principles that I see in this passage. What I find interesting is as I was going through this today, and as I, or today, as I was going through it this week, and as I was kind of meditating on it, one of the things that stirred up inside of my heart over and over and over again, and it's the same phrase, and I genuinely feel like it's for me, but I also feel like it's for a lot of people in this room, and I also feel like it's for a lot of people in this valley specifically, but probably the body of Christ as a whole. Um, the phrase that kept coming up into my mind was new season, new season, new season. And I genuinely believe for a lot of people, God is about to usher you into a new season. Um, I think within the ministries of this church, there's going to be a new season. I think a lot of you guys are sensing new season in your life. And I think God is beginning to stir it up as a whole. And maybe you haven't necessarily talked to anybody about a change. Maybe you guys haven't necessarily been like broadcasting that you're feeling change. But I do sense it strongly, God speaking to you as individuals, but also as the body of Christ, there is a change coming. It is a new season. And I believe genuinely this new season God wants us to step into, I think it's gonna be a God-ordained season. I think it's gonna be a season of growth. I also believe it's going to be a season of victory that a lot of us end up stepping into. And if you look at Joshua, God's speaking to him specifically, and he's telling him, hey, Moses has just passed away. The mantle's being handed over to you, and now the things that I have in store for you are better, and they're bigger than you could have imagined, but it's finally time for you to walk into them. If you guys know the context of this scripture specifically, it was three days later that Joshua and the children of Israel stepped into the land after God spoke to him specifically about this. Three days. God basically prepared him and said, three days from now, here's where you're gonna be. I'm gonna get you ready right now. And I think for some of you guys, this is exciting because God's probably been putting something on your heart for a little while now. He may be stirring something up on the inside of you. Some of you guys, the change is pretty natural. You obviously know what's happening or maybe it is a change that you've been expecting for some time, but it is a season that I think God is preparing us for and he creates the blueprint to Joshua for what he's about to step into. Um, and I wanna share that blueprint with you guys because it's a progressive blueprint. I believe God gives Joshua three principles inside of this specific passage and he builds them on top of each other and it gets Joshua ready for what he's about to step into. So is that okay with you guys? I love my three-point sermons. Youth love my three-point sermons. They're easy. You can take notes. It's fantastic. So the first one is this that I see in the scripture, that with a new season, God gives a fresh vision. With a new season, God gives a fresh vision. Now, what I find interesting about this, I was about to write with a new season, God gives a new vision. But what I see in this specific set of scriptures, God doesn't give a new vision to Joshua. In fact, the children of Israel already knew what the vision was. They knew the boundaries of the land. They knew how big the land was supposed to be. And they had been promised for over 400 years that they were gonna go in and take this land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But what I find interesting is that when God speaks to Joshua specifically, he doesn't give him a new boundary he gives him an old boundary in a fresh way. And I remember distinctly thinking in my mind, you know what? 
I bet God, for a lot of people, is bringing up old dreams, but he's absolutely refreshing them to where he's speaking to you again and saying, it's time to step into some of those old things that you once had in your heart, but for whatever reason, they faded away, they got put on some kind of a, like a, on some kind of a shelf, and you kind of forgot about them. Now, here's what I'm gonna say to you guys. I almost pondered not sharing this with you, but I felt like, you know what, I might as well share it, right? If, I, if, I'm, if I'm on the fence about it, I might as well share it and just see what happens. Um, I remember as a 22-year-old kid driving from Oklahoma to Twin Falls, Idaho, about ready to take over a youth ministry. And I didn't know the first thing about leading a youth ministry. In my mind, leading a youth ministry meant like, okay, let's just play a bunch of games and, you know, like hit each other with dodgeballs and it'll be fantastic, right? That's, that's the basis of what I had for youth ministry. And I still do that, by the way, you guys. So youth, be ready for that. More dodgeballs in the face. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. But here's my thing. Um, I remember driving up being like, God, I need a vision. I need something here. I need you to speak to my heart. And as I'm driving up, I genuinely felt like it was probably when I was in Colorado around that area, just driving by my lonesome, trying to hear him speak to me. I felt like God spoke to me and he said, here's the deal, Josh, I am going to create a revival among the young generation. There's gonna be a God-ordained great awakening among the young people. It's gonna happen among the youth and it's gonna be something that sweeps the nation and then it's gonna be something that sweeps the world. And I remember God telling that to me as I drove up to Twin Falls. And it was a dream that was so passionate and it felt so real. And I felt like that was something that I could latch onto and get excited about. And then as I talked to other youth pastors around the area, it's around 2005 that I took over, I felt like they felt the same thing. Revival, revolution within the young people. All those things that I was passionate about they were passionate about. And so all of us were like, bro, let's go. Revival. That sounds fantastic. Revolution. And we were getting so excited about it. And then, honestly, for 12 years, a lot of great things happened in that youth ministry. A lot of lives were changed. I felt like the Spirit of God did incredible things. We had a lot of laughs. We also had a lot of cries in youth ministry. We had a lot of things that were broken in youth ministry. We had a lot of things that ended up like happening that were embarrassing. Youth was a lot of fun. But I can tell you that the one thing that didn't take place was a revival. Um, in fact, in my mind, what I envisioned as I was driving up, it didn't feel like that was something that ever took place. When I left after 12 years, I remember telling someone this distinctly, that for some reason, everything I felt like God had put in my heart probably came to pass, except for revival in the young people. And I don't know what happened there, I'm not sure why it didn't take place, but I knew I needed to let go and I needed to move on. And so I did, right? And I'll just tell you guys this. The crazy thing to me is a lot of times when God puts something in your heart, he doesn't return void. He's always faithful, but it's not necessarily a timing that you would necessarily expect it to be. And I'll never forget, as I heard that Sharon and Greg were transitioning and as I, I got a phone call from a couple of people about me potentially coming in for an interview, as I, was, as I was praying about whether God wanted me to step back into youth ministry after like five years of not doing it and then 12 years of me doing it before that, thinking I'm an old man 
and that I'm not relatable to young people anymore and that they're gonna think I'm an old fogey and all these doubts beginning to creep in about potentially even wanting to step in to do this. I remember that vision of when I was driving up as a kid from Oklahoma to Idaho, it started stirring back up in me. And honestly, I had forgotten about that for like 10 years. Um, and, And in my mind, it wasn't even something that like even registered. But literally, it got put in my heart again and it got stirred up again in a way that it was like just yesterday. I remember that feeling of when God spoke it to me 15 years ago, 18 years ago, I guess, 2005, right? Driving up and he began to stir it back up in my heart. And I, I genuinely believe this. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't exactly know how that will happen. I know that it wouldn't just be with the vineyard. And I know it just wouldn't be with like all the churches. It would be across probably the nation. But the youth revival is stirred back up in my heart again after all of these years. And what I see in this specific scripture is God going back to Joshua, telling him it's time to take the land. Joshua had heard that for 40 years already, but it was finally time for him to step into it at this point. I think there are some people in this place right now that God has spoken to you about something. There has been a desire in your heart and that desire has maybe gone away for a time. Some of you guys felt like you were called to the mission field and for some reason it didn't happen or it felt like some boundaries got put in. Some of you guys felt like you were called to start your own business, but for whatever reason, it just didn't pan out. The finances weren't there. Some of you guys are believing God for family members to to get saved and loved ones to know Jesus and to walk with him again. And yet for some reason, it seems like after all these years of believing for it or, or holding fast to it, it hasn't taken place. What I believe God is starting to do is he's starting to bring the old and he's starting to bring it new again. I believe that God's starting to take some of the things that seem stale and they seem like they're not real anymore and he's beginning to refresh them and he's beginning to bring fresh vision on the inside of a lot of our hearts. And I believe that's not just individually, I believe that's church-wide as well. Some of the things that have been the vision of this church or other churches, God's beginning to take the old and he's beginning to bring back in the new again. God has a way specifically of taking things that we once thought were dead and turning them alive. And he can do it in the flip of a coin. I believe he can do it in the snap of a finger. And specifically for some of you guys, I just believe this, that even within the next week, you're gonna hear this message And then suddenly you're gonna have like a dream or this thing's gonna pop up in your mind or you're gonna read something in scripture and it's gonna hit you right between the eyes. I love to say that phrase, by the way. Hopefully that's okay I say that phrase. Where I come from, that phrase is okay. Um, But it's gonna absolutely hit you and you're gonna say, wow, I remember when God put that in my heart, but it seems like it's been so long ago that I, I can't even believe it's being brought back up again because this is what God always does. He ends up taking the old and he turns it into new. He takes the stale and he makes it fresh again. You guys with me so far? Everyone's still alive, awake, okay? Um, Number two thing that I see in this scripture, number two thing is that with a fresh vision, God gives a spiritual mandate. With a fresh vision, God gives a spiritual mandate. God ends up giving Joshua a great vision. And in fact, if you see it, it's a great land. 
It's a great sea. It's a great wilderness. It's a great river. He uses the word great over and over again. And he ends up saying, towards the going down of the sun, no man will be able to stand before you. But then after that, he tells him specifically, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. And there's only one thing he's supposed to do. This is the thing that always gets me. Because with Joshua specifically, Joshua has a million things that he's in charge of. Joshua has to lead an army. Joshua has to wake up and sharpen his sword. He has to probably feed his kids. Probably has to feed his goats. I don't know. Probably has to turn on the television station and watch the Raiders win the Super Bowl again, right? Like Joshua has to do all of these things to make sure he's successful in whatever he does. And yet God tells him, the only thing I'm expecting you to do is to meditate on my word. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night. And I'm convinced Joshua as a military man, all he had to focus on was making sure he did that and God was gonna end up taking care of the rest. For some of us, we've made life a little bit complicated. And really what God wants us to do is begin to simplify. In the middle of God raising up new vision on the inside of our hearts, our fresh vision, not new vision, fresh vision, God's also simultaneously speaking to us and saying, now it's time to bear back down and to go back to the thing that makes you successful. And it's connecting with him. Specifically for Joshua, that was meditating on the law all the time, every single day. I think for a lot of us, it can be different. Some of you guys, you love your fufu lattes at five in the morning, and you love to go sit out in the wilderness somewhere. And if anybody bothers you, those are fighting words. Get away from me. I need to spend time with myself and Jesus for two hours every single day. Some of you guys, you do that. And then for some reason, you got away from it because it's too early. I believe God's speaking to you. Go do that again. And yes, get your fufu latte if you want to, if you like coffee. For me, that's getting a Mountain Dew at five in the morning and going out and drinking something to wake myself up. But here's the beauty. Some of you guys, there's a foundation in your life that God has created inside of you that maybe for whatever reason, life just gets busy, you've begun to get away from, right? Like for me, I am a night owl. I love my prayer life at night. I love my walks. I love to pray um, specifically while I walk. That's one of the things that I love to do. Just recently, I noticed that I was getting a little bit away from that. And I genuinely felt like God was leading me back saying, zero in on the thing that connects you with me and do it consistently. You see, serving God, I don't think is complicated. I don't think it's, it's really, really like hard on paper. I think God's plan is actually really simple. I think it's the walking it out in the middle of all the distractions, in the middle of all the fear, in the middle of all the, the, the other things that may come at us and all of the things that may try to keep us down that keep us from the simple things in life. And the one thing that I sense the Spirit of God speaking to me is keep it simple. I would like to say stupid at the end, but God didn't call me stupid. I said that to myself. Keep it simple, Josh. Let's just say it that way. And so I will say this, and I wanna challenge you guys with this, that as God begins to stir things up in your hearts, making sure that you're focused on the one thing that he wants you to be doing and being consistent with it, God will take care of the rest. Which leads me to my third point, and that's this. With a spiritual mandate, God gives a perfect plan. With a spiritual mandate, God gives a perfect plan. What I love about the book of Joshua, and it's, one, it's why it's one of my favorite books of all time, the perfect plan 
is something that God comes up with. And Joshua could have never reproduced it in a million years. If Joshua were to have told the children of Israel before they walked across the Jordan River, hey, one of your battles, you're gonna just walk around a, a wall for seven straight days and you're gonna blow trumpets and then the walls are gonna come crashing down. If Joshua would have said that ahead of time, like, I don't know, Joshua probably would have been God at that point, right? Because that's crazy. And no one would have ever fathomed that's what that battle was gonna look like. The battle of Ai, where they set an ambush behind the city and they tricked the people into coming out. No one necessarily would have come up with that kind of a battle plan. Even when they walked across the Jordan River, God stopped the Jordan River over on one side and dried it up and then they walked across. All of those were specific plans that God gave that he ended up telling them, hey, here's what you're gonna do when the time is right, but guess what? It's gonna be my plan, it's not gonna be yours. You see, I'm convinced our goal is to stay connected with God, it's to be strong and courageous, it's to hold fast to him, it's to stay faithful on the principles, and then God gives us the specifics on how to approach it. I go back to youth ministry one more time, and I apologize, you guys, normally my youth messages, or my messages in general, have a lot more fun clips. Um, the one clip I wanted to put up, apparently there's copyright infringement, so I couldn't put it up there. Um, and I usually have like, like live visuals and we like throw things at each other and you know, I'll do that maybe one other time if I ever get to preach again. But today, in my mind, I remember thinking, I'm just gonna give you guys a little bit of my life story, give some background and hopefully it helps you get to know me a little bit better. Um, but I remember as that 22 year old youth pastor going up once again to Idaho, asking the question about youth ministry and trying to figure out what does that look like and how do I do it? The crazy thing to me is I look back and I realize I stayed faithful to the one thing God asked me to do and that was staying connected with him. My prayer life was vibrant. I continued to seek him. I was in a place of consistently walking with him. And I remember throughout the years, all of these ideas of youth ministry started to flood in. And I can honestly say they didn't come from me, they came from him. Ideas about youth discipleship, ideas about events, ideas about how to handle certain situations. And I remember thinking God was 100% faithful to provide everything else as long as I did the one thing that I was supposed to be doing. If you're a person that's a planner, uh, God bless you because I don't understand you at all. But if you're a person that's a planner and you have your life planned out for the next five years, I just wanna challenge you, that's fantastic. But there are times that you can let that go. And you can say, you know what, God? I'm gonna do the thing I'm supposed to do. I'll have my plan, but I'll also have prepared for you to come in and to give me a new plan because God's plans are so much better than ours. And when he speaks to us in a real way and when he ends up leading us, it's always a better plan than what we could ever come up with. So I wanna challenge you guys, and I really believe this. I believe that some people here today, you may have dreams that have been not necessarily dead in your heart. I don't necessarily believe that, but you may have things that got stirred up for a time and they seem to be on the shelf. Some of you guys, I genuinely believe God is ushering you into a new season. There's something new on the horizon. You can sense it. And some of you guys already know what that new season is. Some of you guys don't know what it is, but you can sense change coming up. And some of you guys, I believe this, God's giving very, very clear fresh, specific vision about what he wants you to begin to do, 
but it's terrifying and you don't want to step into it because you feel like you don't either have enough faith or it's going to really get in the way of everything else that you're doing. I just want to encourage you, knowing this and understand this, that when God puts something on your heart, it's not just better than what you could imagine. It's his plan for you. And when you step into God's plan for your life and you step into his grace, when you step into his destiny and his future, that's where fulfillment takes place. That's where the, the, the longing we all have to fulfill something and to be a part of something bigger than ourselves comes into play. And I'm just encouraged. I'm, I'm excited. I genuinely feel like Jackie and I, this is what we ended up doing. We ended up stepping into something that at first we're like, dude, are we, are we too old for this? Um, we have two kids and I feel like we're leading these zero to 18 year olds ushering in the next generation. Do the youth want this? Do the kids want this? All these questions. But as we're faithful to step in and obey, I just believe God's gonna do amazing things. And I know God's gonna do amazing things in this church. I know he's gonna do amazing things through you guys as well. So with that, I'm gonna pray. Um, and then we'll go from there. Father God, we just thank you and praise you. I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you, God, that as we, as we continue to pursue after you, I just, I just believe you're doing a new thing. Just like in the book of Joshua, when you spoke to him, and you spoke to him about stepping into the land, giving fresh vision, giving a spiritual mandate, and then of course, giving the perfect plan. I just thank you, Father God. I believe you're doing the same thing with us. And God, I just, I pray for every person here that you bring a peace that passes all understanding. I pray that you bring clarity. I thank you for new ideas, new inventions, but also I thank you for old ideas brought in in a fresh way. And God, I just thank you. Um, as we step into this next year, I just believe as a body, we're gonna see some really fun things. I think we're gonna see you and your spirit show up in a way that we never thought possible because we know it's through you that all these things are done. All we have to do is be faithful and all we have to do is be obedient. And real quick, I just wanna invite any person here as we pray, Maybe you'd sit here and you'd say to me in the middle of, of this message, you say, you know what, Josh, you're talking about God specifically stirring up old dreams and bringing them back in my heart in a fresh way. I just, as I was preparing for this, that's the one point that really got brought up in my heart. Not just because I felt like it was spoken in my life, but I also feel like God was doing it in many other people. I just really quick want want to challenge you. And I really quick want to give you an encouragement. If, if that's you, if you'd say, man, I've already started to sense, or even today during this message, you sensed as I talked about old things being made new and fresh vision being brought out. You say, man, that's me. I feel like God's beginning to stir some of that up in my heart right now. I just like for you to raise your hand right where you're at. Awesome. Awesome. I see hands all over the room. The one thing I know about God, God doesn't do this individually. God doesn't do this solo with people. God ends up usually moving through his body and doing it simultaneously. It's a move of the Spirit. So I saw those hands. Um, I specifically just wanna pray for those people really quick. And then I'll turn it over to Trevor. God, I just thank you for the people that you're already doing that in and through. I thank you for their boldness to even step out 
to raise their hand. And God, I just thank you that you meet them in that boldness. We take one step, you take another step towards us. And I thank you that from there, you give us the plans and the purposes and the details on how to begin to approach that. For some people in this room, it might be a bigger life shift than they expect. For some people in this room, they might think to themselves, man, I don't know where to start, but I just thank you, God, that you are always faithful and that your provision is always there and that your grace is there and that where there is a will, there is a way that with you, nothing is impossible. We just thank you and praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're gonna um, close today with what we, we kind of call around here, we call it a soft close, which means we don't wanna shut down anything that God's doing. And we wanna recognize that we have a children's ministry, uh, kids that need to be picked up and, and children's workers that need to be relieved of their temporary responsibility of your children. Um, so we wanna do, we wanna recognize that and, and give you permission to, to go pursue uh, the plans you already have and stuff like that and recognize that, um, that God's doing something in a number of our hearts and we don't want to, to just um, move, we don't want to rush past that. And so um, I'm just going to invite you to, to just take a moment. I'm going to pray the prayer that we pray here at the Vineyard, which is recognizing that all the things that we're about as a people comes from the Holy Spirit. And as there's things that are stirring up in our hearts and our hopes and, and dreams that are being reawakened. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to just surrender ourselves to that. So we're just literally going to take a, a moment and just say, come Holy Spirit. And, and my invitation is this. Pay attention to what God is, may have stirred up in your heart today. If there's an action item, something you're supposed to move towards, make a commitment. What does that look like to move towards that thing that God is awakening in you, stirring in you? inviting you to. What's your action? And, and this morning, we're going to um, just make some space for prayer. If you, need, if you feel like you need to step out um, and, and just come up front and, and, and pray here, uh, sometimes that's a powerful thing to, to literally take a step. So if you want to do that, we're going to make a little space. And after you've been here a moment, our, our ministry team would be glad to join you and pray with you. Uh, we may have some words for prayer on the screens. Um, if we have any of those, we'll put those up. But apart from that, um, I'm just going to say this. Let's, let's just put our hands out. There's, this is a posture of, of welcome, of, of openness, receiving. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this, this passage. We thank you for this, this moment where this critical moment in Joshua's life and in Joshua's life that you spoke. God, would you speak to our hearts today? And as we choose to give ourselves to you, we recognize we're giving ourselves to a person, not to a plan. We don't really know what the plan looks like. 
but we know that you are trustworthy and you are good. And you have said, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for I will be with you wherever you go. God, more than anything, may we be a people of your presence. Surrendered to you, yielded to you, reflecting you, shaped by you, empowered by you, sent by you. Speak to each one of us about what our yes looks like to you today. In Jesus' name. If you'd like prayer this morning, you're welcome to come up front. Joy's going to keep playing and just create an atmosphere of responsiveness here. Apart from that, go get your kids and then go make the invisible God visible. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.